0: Welcome back to Morning Trade Live. Stocks are up big in futures, ready for a strong open to try and get that follow-through to last week's inflation rally. Strange combination of words there. Let's talk about it with Anastasia Amoroso joining us, chief investment strategist at iCapital. Great to have you here on a Monday, Anastasia. Good to see you, Oliver. Okay, so this is kind of a weird situation. We rallied real big last week after a hot inflation print and it seems like we're trying to get some follow through. How do we explain this?
1: Yeah, Oliver, I don't think there's any fundamental explanation to this. I mean, it was really a puzzling circumstance that you had this market Rip higher when inflation was just dismal and a clear problem for the Fed. So I don't think you have really anything that's fundamental at play. And it's a lot of market technicals. Look, we had a really terrible September. We continue to have a very choppy October and positioning is low. Nobody's taking any risk. So I think, you know, in this kind of thin liquidity market, when you don't have a negative catalyst, you can have some pops higher. But I'm very skeptical that they really are pops that can. Last, because the reality that I think Oliver is now upon us as investors is we're well, hoping and you know keeping our fingers crossed that this inflation is going to peak and move lower. But I think what we're forgetting that these are not inflation spikes don't just end in short period of t- times they take time to play out and that time is measured not in days and weeks but really months and in some cases years so i think that's what investors really need to start to appreciate is that we may not be having this inflation spike over uh anytime soon here
0: so the peak inflation discussion on a stage is that an overrated discussion to have because there's a lot of focus on trying to figure out if that high reading that will be the highest is past us, should we be focusing instead on where we might plateau for inflation? And what did last week tell us about that?
1: Yeah, I just think it's really premature to draw any sort of conclusions. And I think, if anything, everyone in this market has been humbled by the last number of inflation prints, and the Fed themselves as well. It's kind of like we're playing this game of inflation whack-a-mole. You know, At first, it's fuel prices that are surging that it's food prices that are surging but now guess what is the core inflation the sticky part of inflation that continues uh, to move higher as well and the reason why i say that we really can't declare victory and say this is you know peak inflation is because if you look at prior instances of inflation spikes and how long it took uh to for them to subside the average round trip is about 30 months And we're maybe just a little bit over a year into it so i think we need to really take that into account and even if the fed at some point is no longer raising rates bottom line is they're not going to be cutting anytime soon and that's what's really challenging for the market
0: even though it's very difficult to figure out uh, as you point out a very humbling uh statistic of course has been following inflation and all the misses from the Fed down to day traders and everyday folks who have uh, obviously been stuck in this bear market. Even though it's tough to figure out where inflation's gonna go, is it at least more of a predictable trend than trying to identify black swans and crisis level risks? And I ask that because it seems the last couple weeks there's been other things percolating. Concerns about Credit Suisse, concerns about the British bond market, geopolitical items going into the Chinese Congress. Is this a market that at least can handle the known risk of inflation, Anastasia? Because it seems like we just can't hold above this VIX 32.
1: Yeah, I think it's a market that is now really sobering up to the risks of inflation and understanding what that means. That means that monetary policy is going to stay in restrictive territory for quite some time as we try to deal with with inflation. I think this is a market that understands that patience is going to be required. There's no quick fix, and that's why there's not been this buy the dip mentality. There's not been this fear of missing out. So this is why for investors for now, I mean, I think you have maybe another year or so where we're just going to have to be patient and focus on getting paid in parts of fixed income and now cash and things like that. Uh, But but to your point, you know, just because we understand the risk, it doesn't make it easier, right? It's just that we have to come to terms with it and sort of, you know, reset our expectations for what the, the stock market should do or not do.
0: Yeah. Is um, is a potential kind of next leg down uh, uh, going to need something fresh, something new? Or do you think that it at least counts in the short term uh, for bulls? Does it count to see some of these things like the British pound stabilize? Credit Suisse not implode. Are these at least maybe temporary reasons to offer that kind of buy the dip mentality? Or do we still just have to be very, very nimble and careful about doing that?
1: Well, I I think the fact that the UK situation has had a complete turnaround, that's really helpful. The fact that Credit Suisse does not appear to be systemic uh, is very helpful, but at the same time, investors probably want to be on watch for what else might break. And the chart that we're showing right here, looking at the spread widening in Credit Suisse versus the overall financial sector. And again, we don't see the systemic risk, but here's what I say, Oliver. After 14 years of zero interest rate policy, you have to think that there is risk that have built up in some parts of the system. And any time that you raise rates from zero to now almost 4.5% by the end of the year, when you do that so quickly, that's likely to create some sort of a hardship or some sort of dislocation in parts of the market. So I think as investors, we just absolutely need to be prepared for that
0: it's a good chart that uh, really shows how kind of isolated i guess this was uh, to credit Suisse. obviously there's kind of a pickup there in some of the other uh, credit default spreads but uh, not really in a dramatic way so kind of like an isolated thing that that didn't um, turn terrible you've got a similar chart uh, that looks at U.S. financials here and kind of a sector-wide look at credit default swap spreads. Walk me through what that means to you, Anastasia.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. When you look at the credit default swaps by sector in the United States, what's really widened out is the consumer discretionary sector. And there are some really, you know, top names that are leading that. But if you look at the overall financials, credit default swaps that have not really widened out all that much. So, first of all, that tells you that the markets are not worried about the lack of capital or, uh, you know, or solvency of the U.S. banks. And in fact, we know that the capital ratios are double what they were uh, during the financial crisis. So there's not a systemic risk from that standpoint. But here's what I would point uh, investors' attention to. And Oliver, you asked, you know, what is that we need to be prepared for? I think what the markets have yet to price in is a risk of a recession. And excuse me, not the risk, but an actual recession. Mm. And when that happens we have to still take down the valuations, we have to take down the earnings expectations, but to point back to this chart, we're also going to have to allow for higher net charge-offs and higher delinquency rates for the banking sector. And again, it's not to say that the banking sector cannot withstand it, but as we're now starting to see in the bank financial reporting results, banks are starting to provision for that. And in fact, they set aside double the number, the amount of provisions this quarter than they did the quarter before. So the banks are certainly preparing for a soft landing, but I think in the coming quarters, they're gonna to need to provision more and prepare for a recession. So right. in that scenario, I suspect that as delinquency rates start to pick up, those CDS spreads, the credit default default swap spreads on banks will also need to widen out.
0: Mm, Interesting, so we see a little bit of that in some of the earnings to your point where companies like JP Morgan put aside more for losses, Uh, but given the strength of the employment situation, we haven't even really seen the uptick yet in the real charge-offs, but Whenever we do kind of peak out for unemployment, start to come back up. If jobs do show some cracks, then you'd expect in the charge offs to come. Anastasia, what does the overall exposure to credit look like right now? How do you track that? And is there a volume issue of debt and credit? I'm pretty sure we got pretty exposed the last couple of years, did we not?
1: Well, it depends on what part of uh, kind of the market you are talking about. There's not a credit issue on the consumer balance sheet, for example. When we look at the uh, debt service, it is half of what it was during the financial crisis. It's picking back up again, but again, there's not a the massive issue. If you look at the corporate balance sheet, I mean, you have close to $8 trillion of cash on the sidelines. And when you account for that, uh, the leverage ratios are actually quite low for the corporations. And even if you assume that rates keep moving higher, there's still enough uh, you know, financial wiggle room for companies to continue to service their debt. So I'm not concerned about that. The thing that I am somewhat concerned about that we're going to have to potentially grapple with is all the debt that has been accumulated over the last 14 years has been on the government balance sheet. And this is why the UK example is so important. It's such a big warning sign because in the US, we if you look at the debt service today we're servicing that debt at one and a half percent if all of a sudden that is resetting to four percent and higher that's a significant increased debt burden that we're going to have to shoulder and it's not to say that the u.s government cannot do it i think we'll service our debt but we just can't afford to uh, have a similar type of a market mistake that the uk had this last few weeks
0: okay great stuff uh, anastasia excellent start to our week thanks a lot love the charts
1: Thanks, Oliver.
0: Take care. Thanks, stage, Amoroso, absolutely. Chief Investment Strategist at iCapital.